You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a crossover edition, a Locked On Mixed Sports Crossover Edition for this Wednesday show. My name is Lucas Smith of Locked On Cardinals. I'm joined today by the wonderful John Miller of Locked On Mizzou. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Lucas. How are you, my friend? I am good. It, it's a weird thing. I'm a junior at Mizzou. Um, I'm ready for school to start. It's the most bizarre thing. I'm, I'm ready for <laughs> this break to be over. I'm ready for school to start for sure, but I'm, I'm doing well this morning. Thank you. Well, how has it been being a Mizzou student this this year in this bizarre COVID year, if you don't mind me asking? Not at all. We'll get right into it. It, it. It's been bizarre. I was all online classes last semester, so that was just difficult for me. It was. I went to one football game this year. Can you guess the football game I went to? Oh, gosh. Bama? No, I, I did not torture myself. <laughs> I went to the LSU game. My well, that's fantastic. I was at that one as well. Oh, it was great. So I was only able to go to one football game this year. So that was bizarre. It's just been bizarre. It's really hard to put into words what being a student at this time is like. And I know I'm far from the only one that have to deal with it. But and in Mizzou, it's, it's, it's just weird. Because when I think of Mizzou, I think of, of sports and big gatherings on the quad and everything. And this past semester just wasn't like that. There weren't people around. There wasn't sporting events to go to. I've been to, I haven't been to a basketball game this year. I know that they're not allowing fans in, but, but that's bizarre to me because I've always been more of a basketball guy than a football guy. So it, it's just been bizarre. There's, there's really no other way to put that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I've been going to these games for, gosh, 30-plus years now, and there's no doubt this has been the weirdest season of all time, and yet a very successful season in some ways on the football field. I guess it's been really t- tough for me to gauge, though, how people are are hopping on the bandwagon. Do you feel like this, the student base got excited about this football season, or what's your feeling? Can I you even tell considering you're doing everything through Zoom, right? Right. I, I definitely think, you know, pe- people drank the Kool-Aid, if you will. Uh, people got on board with it. I think people love Eli Drinkwitz. I, you know, every school hypes up their coach when they hire him. I think there's a lot more, um, at least people that I talk to, a lot more skepticism around the, the no-name hire of Eli Drinkwitz when it first happened. But, you know, five and five, I think the results speak for themselves. In a full SEC schedule, he was able to win some big games. I love Drinkwitz. I love what he's doing. I think the students do, too. Because even though that LSU game was, was empty with the you know, limited capacity, it was still one of the more electric games that I've been to as a student. So I really do think that people are getting on board. This basketball team is interesting to me because there are – when we saw in that Mississippi State game, I mean, there's a half where they look electric, and then there's another half where they look awful. <laughs> um, right. The, bat, the football team is definitely garnering some excitement for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird time for basketball. Like you said, they just played a, a terrible half there, kind of fell apart, and now they've had two games in a row canceled, so they've just kind of had to sit in it for a while. You know what I mean? It's I don't know if that's good or bad, but hopefully it'll uh, hopefully they'll have some motivation built up uh, when we play on Saturday. Hopefully against Texas A and M. Yeah, it, it's it's always interesting to see how much time is too much time off when you're talking about right. West and things. Um, but but let's k- kind of talk about the reason why I, I had you uh, wanted to talk to you about this show. I listened to your podcast. Uh, I think it was Monday's episode. Um, you, I think the title of it was like emotion in sports basically was what you were kind of talking about. So why don't you give my listeners a, a brief overview of what you were kind of talking about there and specifically the first part when you're talking about baseball, um, but kind of an overview of what you were talking about. 
Well, basically, there's a podcast that I listen to uh, called 83 Weeks. There's this guy named Eric Bischoff, who is a big wig in the pro wrestling world. Basically, he ran world championship wrestling for a period of time. And one thing he talked about in his show was that in news now, whether it's Fox News or it's CNN, no matter what you watch, the quality of emotion is incredibly high there. So no matter what your opinion is of, say, Donald Trump, obviously, or Joe Biden, whoever it might be, you probably have a strong one is the point. Like you care one way or the other. And something I worry about with, you know, I, I talked about baseball a little bit. And also I mentioned James Harden too. You know, I just felt bad for Houston Rockets fans who have put up with this guy for so long. And now he's just like, ah, see you later. I'm just worrying that the quality of emotion in sports is being lost a little bit. And specifically with baseball, so much of baseball commentary is now wrapped up in statistics. Now, don't get me wrong. We've always been about, you know, 755 and, and 61 home runs and those kind of statistics. Statistics that everyone can understand. Now, so much of baseball analysis is wrapped up in, quote, advanced statistics. And frankly, a lot of people just want to turn off their brain and watch baseball and be able to have an opinion about baseball without feeling like they need an advanced degree of some sort. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it totally it, it makes sense. It resonated with me. And the reason that, that it caught my eye is I, I talked about it. I said a quote a couple of uh, weeks ago on my show that, you know, baseball is almost solely relying on its diehard fans because the way that I see it and a lot of people that, that I, you know, watch do like you're either really into it and understand all the sabermetric stuff that you're talking about, or you're really kind of not, you know, and, and for me, I, I love baseball. And like you said, there's a deep history of st statistics and numbers and baseball, but it, it went along with, with the tradition of, of the sport itself. And you can understand it. A home run is whenever you touch all four bases, right. you know, it, it's simple stuff. And I think that, you know, while sabermetrics might be a good way to run a business and you have all these different things to how to produce a win, like war is still a weird one for me to understand, to be quite honest with my listeners. Um, and even stats that I use on a regular basis, I don't have a full grasp on. So it's just sure. for baseball to, to really survive when you're only relying on the diehard fan, because I don't think football and basketball are doing that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and it's funny you say the diehard fan, because I think that's where professional wrestling as a business is today. Back when, again, the Eric Bischoff guy, when he was running World Championship Wrestling, there was the whole Monday Night Wars. There was two wrestling programs that may have had a total of 10 million viewers, possibly watching both, both channels. So you've got a lot of casual fans who tuned in. Some of your listeners right now probably know what I'm talking about. They're going, oh, yeah, I used to watch wrestling back then, but not so much anymore because you weren't a diehard. You know, you need those casual fans. And I just think... Again, the over-reliance on statistics as far as analysis goes, it, it just turns a lot of people off. And again, back to your point, I'm not saying it's the, it doesn't equal winning baseball, you know, all this advanced statistical analysis. I get it. I, I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I'm just saying relying on that as a broadcaster, for instance, that, that kind of stuff just gets really, really boring and tedious from my experience for, for most of the audience. Right. And, and, you know, it goes back to even like not only like looking and researching the game, but when you're listening to a game, I don't want to like hear all the sabermetric stuff and advanced metric stuff. Like that's really interesting for some people, but that's not going to draw somebody in, especially right. when we're looking at trying to like bring the youth into the game. No 10 year old's going to care about war, runs created plus, or weighted on base. They care who hits the home run, who gets to strike out, who gets to win, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I, I just think that baseball is, is already at a disadvantage because it's seen as quote boring. I don't think it is because I'm a diehard fan, right? Sure. Me too. Boring, right. If something is already seen as boring and then you have this, this confusing aspect to it, like you talked about on your show, you lose that emotion. And right. I think that w- with other sports, yes, there are advanced metrics to measure basketball and football things. I don't know them to be quite honest, but you still have that, you know, just the basic, Oh, I'll flip on this basketball game and watch because they're, they're, they're just shooting and they're doing, doing their thing. It's, it's easier to watch. Well, the college football playoff may be over, but if you are a sports better, I think Alabama covered the spread. John Miller, where, where do you find your, your betting options? Well, frankly, there's only one place that I trust, Lucas, and that's betonline.ag. And for our listeners at Locked On Cardinals or at Locked On Mizzou, you can sign up today for a free account. Use the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That's a heck of a deal, isn't it, Lucas? Absolutely, because I'm myself I'm a college student. I don't have a ton of money to spend on sports betting, but if I can get 50% extra, that is huge. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget that promo code that John just told you about. Locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit on betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And rockedauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And best of all about those prices, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same whether you're a professional or do-it-yourselfer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure to write locked on their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Right. And there's something about basketball for as much as, you know, the stats have permeated basketball too. There is always just, there's the matter of there's five guys that are sharing one ball. So there's a, there's always an interesting chemistry aspect of that and just sort of an ebb and flow to basketball. I mean, you really do have to be connected to your teammates to have the best possible basketball experience. But, you know, it's interesting, again, just getting back to statistical analysis. Like, for example, let's take Derek Jeter, you know, one of the most famous players in baseball history. Well, you know, again, there's this whole advanced statistic argument against Derek Jeter that says he was just kind of okay, like maybe a semi-borderline Hall of Fame type shortstop, maybe not the legendary status that he rose to as a New York Yankee. Like his stats don't exactly match up to his stature in New York. But frankly, who gives a crap? That's my whole point. Like the guy won tons of championships. He's famous. He's one of the greatest baseball players of all time. If you in Yankee history, ask any Yankee fan and they'll tell you, I, I just, I don't see, and they, they watched him every single day. That's my point. And what's being lost now, I think with stats too, we're almost to the point now, again, while stats have been really valuable to, I don't, for, for winning baseball, it's impossible to argue against it. 
But I do think we're almost getting to the point of diminishing returns with stats. Because if you think about a guy like Yadier Molina, somebody your audience is obviously extremely familiar with. Again, like Derek Jeter, like Yankee fans saw Derek Jeter, you Cardinal fans see Yadier Molina every single day. You guys know how great he is as a catcher. But there is, there's very little statistically that's going to be able to capture how good Yachty is as a catcher. Like the way he handles pitchers, the way he calls the game. I, I, don't, I don't know how you, how you quantify that. I really don't. Now, you can, you can show stats about you know, his arm strength, how fast the ball is coming out of his hand, thrown to second base, how many runners he throws out. But frankly, you still just have to watch. You see, people f- forget that, yes, you have to watch the games. It's not played on a spreadsheet. You can't just analyze baseball on a spreadsheet and say, well, this is how you win. You actually have to watch these games. It's a combination of both, quite honestly. I totally agree. And there, there's a big debate right now among Cardinal Nation, if you will, of how much or if, if at all do they sign Yadier Molina for. Molina wants two years, $20 million, you know, $10 million a year. If you look at the stats, John, if, if, you, if you just took Yadier Molina's stats and didn't put it right. there's no way in heck that he's worth $10 right. million a year. Um, and, I, and I don't even think with his intangibles, something that I love as a baseball fan, he's still not worth $10 million a year, but that's a whole other, another discussion. But there, there is that intangible factor that, that a lot of people, even baseball fans, miss because they, they, they want the stats. They want the production. They want as much value as they can, and they look to the stat book for that. And I think baseball is one of the bigger sports that you have to rely on the eye test. I think a prime example of this was, I think it was game four or five or six, I think it was six of the World Series last year. Blake Snell, after 73 pitches, giving up two hits in five innings, was taken out because that's what Tampa Bay Rays thought. That's what Kevin Cash's game plan was. Two batters later, the lead's gone and they lose the series. I'm not saying if Snell stays in, they win that game, but you got to think you got a better shot at winning. I think Losing yeah. the best. Yeah, I, the, of course, the Snell example really is the classic one, isn't it? I mean, I think I think I even talked about it on my podcast. I was so outraged by that move. I think it even came up on a Mizzou show. But yeah, I'm totally with you on all that. I really am. And it, and it's just difficult too because look, getting a little bit a little bit of a different point here. Just the marketing of the sport when you're looking at baseball might be seen as boring, and the stats go into that. When you look at what the NFL did, I want to hear your thoughts on that. They had a game on, on Sunday. It was the Bears and Saints game. Myself as a Bears fan, tortured myself by watching that Bears. <laughs> they had it broadcasted on, on Nickelodeon. I didn't watch any of it on Nickelodeon because I'm 20 years old, but I thought it was kind of a neat idea to bring the young fan base into that. I just don't see how they could do that with baseball. What were your thoughts on bringing the Nickelodeon thing or you know, that, that kind of you know, that, that angle to it? Well, I certainly think it's worth a shot. I mean, why not? Again, you know, so many of these these networks have so much real estate, you know, and they're all obviously under the same umbrella. Obviously, Disney owns a bunch of networks, you know, Turner, whoever it might be. So they're all under the same umbrella. So, yeah, why not shove a different broadcast on a Nickelodeon or any type or Amazon Prime or whatever it might be? Why not experiment? Again, you have so much real estate that needs to be taken up with content there. I think it. I'd, why not experiment with baseball presentation a little bit? We've basically had the same, you know, w- what's changed in terms of baseball presentation in the last, I don't know, in, in our entire lives, really. Uh, high definition, that, that's about it. That was br- basically the biggest change. Otherwise, it's, oh, they, they show shots of the pitcher, they show a shot of him throwing the 
throwing the pitch and, you know, then it's either a ball or a strike. Then they cut back to the pitcher's face and it's, you know, the bratter readjusts his gloves. Give me something different. Why not? I, I can definitely see an argument for that. And you know what? Actually, can I circle back real quick? Yeah. I want to circle back to Yachty real quick. I actually think the Cardinals should sign him for 20 million bucks because here's the deal. If he wanted like $20 million per year or 20, something crazy, then obviously take a pass. But to me, that guy means so much to that city. And I say this as a Royals fan, by the way. So I don't have any emotional attachment to Yachty in particular, but basically everybody in my, my in-laws are all Cardinals fans, all that stuff. I've been to a million games just because I love baseball that town absolutely loves that guy. And it crosses all, all racial bounds, all age. Gra- I mean, I'm telling you, 85-year-old white dudes absolutely love Yadier Molina. So to me, you got to keep that guy around. I think just his, his ability to basically almost be a manager on the field and just to be a, I don't know, I think it's a special circumstance. Like you say, there's not a real objective argument to be made for paying Yadier Molina $10 million dollars. But my emotions are telling me, my quality of emotion is telling me that you guys should sign him again. I just don't want to see Yadier Molina playing for the Angels or something. I just, I can't take it. What, what do you think about that? I honestly go back and forth a lot in my head. I, I totally agree. Like, obviously, I don't want him to leave. I, I'm the biggest Yadier fan there. I, I love Yadier Molina. I mean, I've grown up watching this guy ever since I can remember seeing a game. He was behind the backstop. Him and Adam Wainwright were, were both two of the longest Cardinals that I've seen in my lifetime. So no, I don't want him to go at all. And I think that he'll end up being signed for $10 million. I, I really do. I think the Cardinals are cave in is a bad way to, to put it, but I think they're, they're going to give him what he wants because um, he doesn't, he doesn't fit anywhere else. Like I was going to say, I don't know that he's really going to get any more than that from yeah. anywhere else. I think he's more valuable to the Cardinals than he is to anybody else. So I, I think they should, you know, pay a little bit of a premium because here's the deal. It's not the NBA. There's no hard salary cap. I'm not really that interested in, you know, the Cardinals ownership saving five million bucks a year. So they cheap out on a catcher when they've got the greatest catcher in their franchise's history just sitting right there. And he's still he's still a productive player. He's obviously not what he used to be, but he's still an okay player. And the catcher position, not exactly a ton of great options out there right now. Nobody really hits anymore at that position is something that is kind of gone undiscussed to me in the Yachty conversation is, well, yeah, he's not hitting that great, but who is hitting great at that position anymore? Not very many people. Right, especially not ones that are available to the Cardinals. I mean, you know, you have the best catcher available right now is JT Real Muto, but the Cardinals have limited to, to zero chance of signing him. And I think those I was going to say he's going to cost a pretty penny in the free yeah. agent market too. He's going to cost a lot more than ten million dollars a year. Exactly right, um, and, and I think that you know, like you said earlier, the game's not played on a, on, a, on a spreadsheet. Right, so people are so worried, and you know, the ownership is so worried about the business of it. How can we save money, save every penny to? to you know, spend as little money as we can to get as many wins as we can. You're going to need to spend some money to win, you know, and I, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of, the, of their financial books. I'm going to have a look at their books and see what they're spending money on and things like that. But I, I just think Molina, like you said, is too valuable to lose. Now, I, like, like I said, personally, he's not worth $20 million for two years, but granted the intangibles do speak a little bit higher than anywhere else. And if I'm Yachty, like you said, he's probably not going to get anywhere close to that anywhere else. Right. That, and bringing him back might bring up the quality of emotion in a Cardinal game because you can still see Yachty play out his career. Well, a, a good point. I think that's a really good point because I get the feeling that while 
obviously the Cardinals were pretty good last year, say the last few seasons. I get the feeling that maybe the Cardinals fan base isn't quite as in love with this team as maybe they have been in the past. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a real thing. That's not just, that is tangible, by the way, you bring back Yadier Molina, maybe you get a few more eyeballs on your television too. So that could be worth it. And honestly, I think again, getting back to the statistical analysis, if you sign Yadi to that deal, well, you're going to have people out there in the stat community writing columns, giving you grades for your free agents, and that'll probably get a C plus or a D minus or or whatever it is. Who cares? Deal with it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to worry about what, again, the stat community thinks. And again, even if Yachty falls off a cliff next year and, and becomes unplayable, which I don't expect to happen, by the way, but if even if he did, it's a $10 million mistake. Okay. Maybe there's some language you can work into that contract to maybe there's a, a mutual buyout or a mutual option in the second year. I don't know. Again, I think that I really think the Yachty and the Cardinals will work something out just based on kind of what we've laid out already. Right. Yeah. I think they will. I, I think it's just delaying the inevitable at this point. And, and again, this is kind of t- going on a little side tangent here, but the, the reason the Cardinals aren't signing anybody is because they're waiting to sign Yachty. Um, and Wainwright, for that matter, as well, because Wainwright has expressed interest in coming back as well. So it, it's just tough there as this, this incredible organization that draws in 3 million fans a year complain about money loss. And I'm not trying to diminish any loss from, from COVID and the pandemic. And no, sure. I get th- that's a real thing. But at the same time, the Cardinals are going to draw 3 million this year or next year whenever they allow fans back in at full capacity. They're going to draw 3 million. That, that's no question. Yeah. They're, they're going to get well, that back. And, and, you know, I follow the NBA as well. And there was a lot of talk about, oh, well, how much will COVID impact free agency in the NBA? Well, Gordon Hayward got $120 million from the Charlotte Hornets, who are not exactly, you know, the biggest market in the world. I mean, we all know Michael Jordan's got some deep pockets, but still that that was, he doesn't like losing money either. So that was quite a signing. I thought, I think, you know, baseball, it's much more you know, the last few off seasons just become bizarre. It's like everyone has figured out that, oh, maybe we should, maybe there's not great value in signing free agents to these hundred million, $200 million deals with, with very few exceptions, quite honestly. So yeah, it's been really bizarre to see how long this free agent process is now taking place. It's so in other words, if you're a Cardinals fan, you're getting worried about how long it's taking to maybe re-sign Wainwright and Yachty. Just realize this is what's going on throughout all of baseball. Basically, if you're a free agent, it's the waiting game right now. You're probably waiting until spring training to sign possibly at this point. Well, I mean, you had it in 2019, you know, say what you will about Bryce Harper, but he was one of, he was a top two free agent in that class. Didn't sign until after players had reported to spring training. Right. To me, that, that's that's a major problem. You yeah, can't have it is. these players, whether you're Bryce Harper or Yadier Molina or anywhere in between that, you can't have these guys waiting until February, March to sign. Because you yeah. have these frenzies um, in, in the NFL and NBA of three, four days of this person signed, this person signed, that person signed, this person got traded. In baseball, that frenzy happens over seven, eight months. And in this, yeah. like I said, that's already losing pe- losing eyeballs, losing interest. You can't have this long of a period. Right. It's going to interest the diehards. It's not going to interest the casual fan. It's just right. Well, and yeah, the whole economics of baseball have just been thrown out of whack because the deal was they've always artificially depressed the value of young players. Right. And, but the deal was, okay, if you made it 
six, seven years, however much years of service time you needed to get to finally become a free agent. Well, you would, you could cash in big time. And if that's no longer the case, and it doesn't appear to be for most players, unless you're Mookie Betts or you're Bryce Harper, again, the very, very elite few, then basically you're kind of up a creek without a paddle. Your market has just is just totally depressed. It's almost gone. And the solution to this is quite obvious. Guys need to be able to get paid sooner when they're younger players, because honestly, and now it's like, you see guys like Ronald Acuna taking, frankly, taking these extensions that are way under what they would get in in an open market. So that's kind of messed up too. Just the whole dynamics of, of baseball, the way it's always kind of gone are now have now been flipped on their heads. Guys aren't getting paid in free agency. I'm frankly, we're heading, we've got to be heading to some kind of serious work stoppage or labor dispute at the very least, because this can't continue like this forever. Absolutely. I mean, we, we could talk about this, John, for probably hours if you wanted to, but I, I think the collective bargaining agreement, uh, the current setup ends after this year, and there are major talks of a work stoppage again or some sort of delay. Yeah, I think after this season, we're going to see it for sure. Yeah, I think it, it were. There are signs of a huge problem up ahead if we haven't already had it. But no uh, doubt, John, this, this has been great. I think that there are a lot of different talking points that we brought up today that we could have tangent off on. So there's so <laughs> many things to talk about in sports. Um, I, for, for you and I, I think the emotion in sports is high. Um, so I, I appreciate your time. And for all my listeners, I'd overlocked on Mizzou. Uh, John's great. And I appreciate your time today, John. Lucas, thanks for uh, listening to the podcast. And yeah. thanks for having me on this one. We'll have to do it again sometime. This was fun. Absolutely. We'll